Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good morning. 11,822 days ago, I got married to my best friend. My best friend. But shortly after we started, um, I didn't, don't want to really call it dating, courting, going places together. At that stage, <laughs> at that stage, only hasn't told me yet that she loves me. I, I knew it, but she, she didn't know it. Um, and she decided that she'll never tell me she loves me before she knows that I'm the one that God sent to be her uh, husband. Yeah, okay. I asked her to be my fieke, my fairy. And she agreed to it without knowing what's going to happen. And uh, ever since then, that day when we got married, um, we decided that we're going to stay on honeymoon. Because nowhere in Scripture I could find any indication that you should come home after, after two or three weeks. So somehow, I don't know if we've done it wrong or we've done it right. I think we've done it right. We've been on honeymoon for 32 years and a couple of days. So, 11,822. And counting. But shortly after, as I indicated, shortly after uh, I started visiting her and she came over to uh, our place, I stayed with my mom at that stage, Um, I started wondering, what is in store for us? And so I stood there one morning in the guest bathroom at her parents' place. And there I saw something that made a huge, huge impression on me. And you can show the next slide, please. It's not very clear, but what it says is glad days, sad days are all better made with the happy knowledge that our friendship will not fade. Shortly afterwards, she said, yes, she does love me. Now, that's a story on its own. Those of you who have done marriage brief with us will know that. Um, I was driving. Only come here, let's illustrate what, what happened. Let's, let's illustrate what happened. I'm putting you on the spot now. I didn't ask you beforehand to, to tell. We were driving. We were driving, we were on our way to friends of ours, <laughs> and we were listening to a nice piece of music on a tape. Those days, you didn't have CDs yet. <laughs> and uh, what was the song's name? Friends of Friends Forever. Friends of Friends Forever was the name of the song. And as we were driving, all of a sudden, I realized, I love you. <laughs> He almost turned the car over. <laughs> I was driving a blood red Alpha at that stage. It had still mags and this huge white tires. And as she said, you know what? I said, hmm? She said, I love you. Who? <laughs> well, anyway, the comfort I took from that, that regardless of what happens, we'll be friends. 
And I want to call you friends now. And I'm going to say, friends, if a relationship is built on friendship, is there a relationship that will last? So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about what I titled My Brother's Keeper. And let's go to Scripture and find a few wisdoms, a few pulls about friendship that we can talk about. The first portion of Scripture I want to refer you to is John 17, and we're going to start at verse 6. Now, I know it is a bit small, but you're welcome to follow on your phones, and if you've got the printed version of the Word of God, you can look at that as well. In John 17, we find the prayer of Jesus that he prayed for his disciples. It says, I have, now it's Jesus speaking, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, he's talking to his father. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They know with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I quickly want to highlight three things in this first couple of verses before we continue reading. The first thing is, where is my pointer? I have revealed you to them. So one of the first things that Jesus did for his friends, and that is a lesson we can learn, one of the first things he has done, he has revealed the Father to his friends. So in our friendship relationships, we should reveal Jesus to our friends. We should share the greatness and the glory of God to our friends. The second thing I want to highlight, I pray for them. Do you pray for your friends? Jesus prayed for them. I mean, he was with them, but still he prayed for them. Do you pray for your friends? The third thing, and glory has come to me through them. Do you worship together? What is the purpose of you getting together with your friends? Let's continue reading verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. 
so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. On this slide, I want to highlight two things. Maybe one. Are you in unity with your friend? Do you have a common goal, common purpose, what you are focused on? Is there oneness in your intention to be close to one another, to have one another's back, etc.? What is the basis of your friendship? Are you one? And then the key one, I'm going to talk a bit more about that one. I protected them. I protected them. So Jesus protected his friends. And as I said, I'm going to come back to that one a little bit later. In verse 13, we read, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, so that they too may be truly sanctified. On this slide I want to highlight two things. Full measure of my joy. Do you experience joy in your friendship? Or do you have just to toil and work at the friendship and work at the friendship and never share any joy and have the pleasure of having friends and just laughter and happiness and excitement and looking forward to things and doing things together and getting all excited about just going to a concert or going on a picnic or wherever you want to go to have real joy. You have the joy that's on the inside, regardless of what the worldly circumstances might be like. Are you sharing that with your friends? And then, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Are you sharing the truth in love? One of the themes we addressed over the weekend was communication. And we said that one of the keys for good communication is to speak the truth in love. Are you sharing the truth to one another? Or is it some facade you've got? Do you, are you wearing a mask in your friendships? I'm sure there are many, many, many more things we can take from this scripture. And what we can see from that part that I said I'm going to come back to, is also what we find in Genesis 4 verse 9. Genesis 4 verse 9. 
Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Now, in John 17, we saw that Jesus said, and he declared it, so it is the absolute truth, that he protected them, so that none except the one who was destined to go to hell would be lost. So, Jesus answered that question. When God asked Cain, where is your brother? Jesus could say, could say about his friends, yes, I am my brother's keeper. I kept the disciples. I protected them. Now my question to you today is, are you your brother's keeper? Are you your sister's keeper? Now we know that in Scripture, brothers and sisters can also be interpreted as those fellow Christians, but also as your friends. Okay. So are you your friend's keeper? Are you your friend's caretaker? Do you have the best in mind for your friends? Or are you only in it for what you can get from it? Let's look at four characteristics of true friendship. I've listed the four there. Unconditional love, unwavering support, willingness to challenge, and full of grace. Let's look at what that might mean. When we say that it is a characteristic of true friendship that there is unconditional love, I found this very interesting um, description of what it means. It says, a true friend loves at all times, regardless what you do, what happens, or where life takes you. A true friend loves at all times. On your worst day, when you aren't even fun to be around, a true friend will still take you to lunch and probably pay for it as well. So even on your worst days, they are there with unconditional love. The second one, unwavering support. It says true friends are in it for the long haul. Even when you've fallen or, or agree with you completely, a true friend is in your corner. When you call, even when you're in trouble, they come. True friendships may only be for a season. I have many of those who are only friends for a season and then the season pass. But if we run into each other again, we pick up where we left off. Trust is already established. The relationship is just as strong and true friendship are consistent. I've got a friend like that. His name is Flip de Villiers. He stays in uh, Brisbane. In Australia, he moved there about seven years ago. And if he told me seven years ago, okay, 
on the 23rd of February 2023, we will meet at Pizza Hut in Bryanston. If there's a Pizza Hut in Bryanston, I don't know if there's one. We'll meet there at 10 o'clock. And he said it seven or ten years ago. Come that day, we needn't even confirm it, you will be there. You will be there. He's trustworthy. And if you cannot make it, you'll let me know well in advance. And should we both live, I'll see him at Pizzaat. And then we'll just pick up where we left off before they moved to Australia. Another case I want to share with you. When I was doing military service, I was also prior to that part of a, a, a small group of people, a band who sang together, and we were, and they were to do a recording. Um, and I was in military then, so uh, I wasn't part of that band any longer. And I think it was a Thursday evening. Philip gave me a call. He was, he's younger than I am. And he said, the guy who sings bass in a group who were to make that recording lost his voice and is seriously ill. And they, they've got this arrangement with the recording company. They've got a record on the Saturday. Is there any possibility that I can get a pass, a weekend pass, and join them? I arranged the pass and... Uh, we agreed, okay, on Saturday morning, around about 7 o'clock, he'll pick me up um, in front of the military base where I was doing my national service. And uh, come 7 o'clock, Flip wasn't there. I'd, at that time, there weren't cell phones. And, uh, but I know Flip will come. And it's 8 o'clock. I still waited. And, I mean, <laughs> the corporals and the... Military personnel was looking at me whilst I was standing outside the military base in my uniform, etc. Come nine o'clock, here comes Flip, but he's covered in oil and in things. So the vehicle they rented to bring the rest of the band and, and the group together broke down and Flip fixed it. But I stood there knowing that regardless, even if the colonel passed, Flip will come because he's dependable. He's there for me. So we went. We, I fortunately still remembered the um, partitions I had to sing. And at that stage, I sang number one bass for a cappella as well. So my voice was all right. And uh, we made the recording. But Flip was there because I know he would come. Are you that type of friend? Are you dependable? Are you committed? Are you committed to your friendship? Willingness to challenge. Love and support is not ignoring the words you need to hear. A true friendship takes you better. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, and true friends will correct you if needed. Proverbs 27 verse 5 says, Better an open rebuke than hidden love. Friends who let you injure yourself or others, if they can intervene, they won't remain silent with you 
unity here and will be shared in deepest of love. I've got another friend. His name is Leonard. He stays in Abu Dhabi. He stays in Abu Dhabi. At one stage he said, Krista, you need to stop doing that and that. And I was angry. I thought, how dare you? We were three friends, me, Flip, and Leonard, and I was the leader of the pack. I've got a type A personality. I'm, I'm, I can be very dominant at, at times, even though I'm an introvert. And here comes this pipsqueak of Leonard, and he says, stop doing that. I said, what do you mean? And I didn't talk to him for about two weeks. He came back. He said, Christo, let me share with you some scripture. You've got to stop doing it, my friend, because I really love you. And if you continue doing this and this, it will be detrimental not only for our friendship, but for your testimony. Because at that stage, I was chair of the Christian Association at, at UJ. At that stage, it was still called RAE, Rand Afrikaans University. So not only would my testimony suffer, but I would have ruined the friendship. And he's also a friend that I can count on. Full of grace. True friendship whether there's sometimes difficulty of relationships, forgiving when needed, and loving each other even when it hurts. A true friendship isn't one-sided. Both friends are willing to lay down their lives for the other. Grace is freely and generously given. Over the weekend, we also spoke about the importance of forgiveness. And we did an interesting calculation. You know that portion of Scripture where um, the officer in, in the court of the king was called in because he owed the um, king 1,000 talents of gold or something similar like that. Now, a talent is not a, a monetary currency value. It's an expression of weight. And we made a simple theoretical calculation and said, okay, should a talent be one kilogram. Kilogram, a measure of weight. And we say, okay, we take the common denominator of value, gold. And 1,000 kilogram of gold multiplied by the price of a fine ounce per gold. We often hear that on the news. And we multiply it by 1,000 we came to the value of around about 700 million rand when we used a conversion of um, rand dollar also. So that individual owed the king something like 700,000 rand and the king 700 million rand, sorry, 700 million rand. And the king was willing to forgive. Yet when that officer got out of the, the palace, there he saw one of his fellow officers who owed him a few denarii. Now, a denarii is a day's wage. And Diewald, no, sorry, Rudy, it was 165.20 is your average daily wage. So if that person owed him a thousand denarii, it meant that that person owed him about 16,000 rand. So 
16,000 rand as opposed to 700 million, yet that officer grabbed this fellow officer by the throat and choked him, said, pay me now! While the king was willing to forgive. While the Lord God is willing to forgive you, your trespasses, that is much worse than 700 million we often are not willing to forgive our friend for a slight misunderstanding or a slight thing that happened or not common agreement. I was assured that they were pulling in two different directions. That often happens in friendships. You do not agree. You needn't agree all the time. Because then you don't have your own identity and you don't have your own personality and you don't have your own dreams. But if you do disagree, do you keep a grudge against your friend? Does it break down good relationships? Or are you willing to say, I'm forgiven, therefore I'm willing to forgive you? The Lord forgave me 700 million rand. 16,000 is small change against it if you want to compare it like that. But then also, we also shared an example. Those of you who know me a little bit better will know that I love fast cars and driving fast. And some stage ago, many years ago, I drove a V6 3-liter that had 24 valves, and it was quite a fast car. It wasn't a Ford. But on my way to my office, I travel through Constantia Kluif, and there's that road going all the way to um, on Dakers, and before that, the road eventually becomes Robert Broom, I forget what it is, um, all the way there. And as I went through the Kluif, I saw this little pickup, Nissan 1400 pickup, and it was full of bricks, and it was his front wheels barely touched the ground and he was struggling through to make its way. And I geared back and I, the revs went up to just short, shy of 7,000 RPM and yeah, it was fun and it was good. And I accelerated and the tires squealed and I went around the corner. And as, as I went around the corner, around the bend, there was this big Oshkosh. Who of you know what is an Oshkosh truck? It's a forerunner of nowadays Scania and man. And that big truck was also full of bricks. And it was snorting and black smoke and diesel noise and brr, 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 struggling to get up there. And I passed it and I, ha, yes, V6 power, three liter, doing 95 in second, shifting to third. <laughs> and then I thought, Lord, what have I just done? And the Lord didn't say to me what I, I have just done. He responded with a question. He said, who of those two vehicles were suffering the most? Was it the little pickup with the front wheels barely touching the ground? Or was it this big 35 to 40 ton truck with a huge trailer full of bricks? Which one was suffering the most? And I said, mm, uh, Lord, uh, maybe the 
pick up, uh, no, uh, maybe, maybe the big truck. And he said, no, no. They were suffering equally because both were loaded to capacity. Both were loaded to capacity. So my dear friends, never look down on what your friend is suffering and what your friend is going through. And never make or belittle that's something that you have to forgive him or her for or that him he or she might be struggling with in their lives. Because it might seem something small in your eyes, but they are loaded to capacity. They are loaded to capacity. Be willing to forgive because you do not know exactly the weight of the burden that they are carrying. They are loaded to capacity. Even if it is small in your eyes, even if you're just a little 1,400 pickup, or you might be this huge, big truck. Nowadays it's Mercedes and Volvo and Scania and Man and those type of trucks. They're usually around about 500 horsepower, those big machines nowadays. You might be a big truck, it's all right. Then the Lord has given you broad shoulders. But also the Lord has given you the promise that you won't be tested more than the power he gives you to endure. So be gracious towards your friend. Be gracious to your friend. Next I want to share with you some principles of biblical friendship. Now in the book of Proverbs, oh, book of Proverbs is so, so rich and so beautiful. I'm going to interrupt myself and encourage you to to take up this challenge. Whenever I go away for my work, I attend conferences, etc., and do some presentations at other universities as well. If it is, say, for example, the 13th, then I will read Proverbs 13 over and above the other portions of Scripture that I'm busy with in my quiet time. If it's the 14th, I'll read chapter 14. So the date will give me an indication. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs, one for every day. So, read it. Pools of wisdom. Excellent guidelines. Practical for everyday life. Why? Because it comes from the heart of the Father. It's the Word of God. And it gives you basic instructions before leaving earth in the Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Let's get back to the eight principles of biblical friendship. The first one, selectivity. In Proverbs 18.24 we read, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Not everyone can and be and should be a close friend. Quality trumps quantity when it comes to friendship. Select your friends wisely and then stick to them. We should select friendships carefully because wrong friends, friends bring harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's Proverbs 13, verse 20. Selectivity. Don't make your friendship cheap. There's a uh, saying in Afrikaans, 
Een allemansvriend is, is een niemandsvriend. Roughly translated, it means, if you're a friend of all, you're actually a friend of none. Be exclusive with your friends. Let your friendliness, let your kindness be known to all men. But make your commitment in friendship committed to those close to you and keep them close. Be careful with whom you befriend yourself because friends might pull you down. Nowadays, young people are so prone to peer pressure. We heard over the weekend that peer pressure can cause sexual immorality. And it's common practice nowadays to lose your virginity by the age of 12. Why? Peer pressure. Because the world says it's okay. That became the norm. Instead of keeping the norm of the Bible as your ultimate base, as your ultimate guideline. Second principle, proximity. Relationships gain strength through proximity. You need friends who live close to you. I've mentioned two of my friends who are far away. But fortunately, the Lord blessed me also with friends who are close. Better a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. That's Proverbs 27.10. Proverbs 27.10 Better a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. This reminds us that friendships involves not only shared time and interests, but also shared space. When friends don't spend time together, they will inevitably grow distant. They will inevitably go distant. And I've told you about my friend Flip de Villiers. But I increasingly find it whenever we call one another or FaceTime one another that what we have to talk about is our children. His kids also graduated now from university. And where will they be going? Oh, when was the last time we went to Kruger Park? And have you seen any kangaroos today? So... In order to keep the friendship alive, I have to put in effort and make a list. This is what I'm going to talk about because it's the distance made it that even though I know I can depend on him and I'm going to meet him at Pizza Hut on the, what was it, 13th of February or 23rd of February 2023, we have less and less in common because we're not close physically together any longer. Boundaries. Proverbs also teaches the principle of boundaries. Know when to leave a friend alone. Different people have different capacities for friendship and various friendships have different limitations. Learn when to give your friend space. Proverbs 25.17 says, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his full of you and hate you. Don't overstay your welcome. Don't abuse the friendship. When you say dear drumpel, dear trapnis, dear poos, don't make a foot bath in his thick mat. 
that only you travel on. Mutuality. One of the most important principles is the principle of mutuality. Friendship is a two-way street. In any true friendship, both persons contribute, and each person benefits. Proverbs 27, verse 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. Two words I want to highlight further. is sweet and sharp. Sweetness rises from mutuality and interests the sharing of common ground. This is essential to any real friendship. Now in the book by C.S. Lewis, uh, titled The Four Loves, I think it is, he says, We picture lovers face to face, but friends side by side. Their eyes look ahead. This is why pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Have a shared common interest, even if it's just dominoes, as C.S. Lewis said, or white mice, or be in the same WhatsApp group, but make some effort to contact that group, fellow people at least. The sharpening, best friends are the ones who not only share my interests, but challenge me in meaningful ways by informing my thinking, expanding my interest, balancing my weakness, and probing me to better character. Mutuality. Let's look at respect. Along with mutuality, friendships require respect. And respect is the foundation of any good relationship. One of the main ways we show respect is in how we talk about our friends when they are not around. What do we say behind their backs? Proverbs 25, verse 9 to 10 says, Argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another's secret, lest he who hears you bring shame upon you, and your ill repute have no end. Speak to your friend. Don't speak to your friend about a friend. Speak directly to your friend. Remember we said earlier today that one of the key ingredients of true communication is to speak the truth in love. Talk to your friend. Candor. Now what does candor mean? Let's look at scripture. Proverbs 27, verse 5 to 6 says, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Oscar Wilde said, A true friend stabs you in the front. A true friend stabs you in the front. So candor is all those bad-mouthing. 
No. Be honest. Be direct. Be sincere. Be intentional. Have the best interest of your friend and your friendships in mind. Forgiveness. No friendship can last without forgiveness. And whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates slows friends. That's Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats matters separates slows friends. Be generous in extending the gift of forgiveness to our friends. True friendship is too valuable to throw away over petty differences. True friendship is too precious to throw away over pettiness. The eighth one, constancy. Proverbs 17.17 teaches, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A brother is born for adversity. You know, the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices. Greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices. So let's look at what can ruin a friendship. What can ruin a friendship? First one is gossip. All this sharing what was shared in confidence with just one person at a time. They say a secret is something you share with one person at a time. No, a secret is a secret. Secret is a secret. If you promise not to tell, then you don't tell. Then you don't tell. You don't gossip. Have you heard that? No. Do you know that the Bible teaches us that God hates gossip? Go read Proverbs. You'll find a list of seven things that God hates. Feet that are quick to gossip. Quick to bad mouth. That will ruin a friendship. You know what? It will also ruin your friendship with God. Also ruin your friendship with God. A scale that is not true, Proverbs 11 verse 1. So what do I, I mean with a scale that is not true? I mean... If you say something, but you mean something else. If you're false in your intentions. If you're dishonest. If you're not dependable. It can ruin a friendship. A scale that is not true. I'll see you at 7. No, it's alright. We arrive there, 11.30. I don't care for you. I don't have enough respect for you to honor the appointment. A scale, a scale that is false. You're ruining the friendship. Not trustworthy. I think that speaks for itself. I've used enough examples already to illustrate what not trustworthy means. But we also find that in Proverbs twenty-four, twenty-six, 
to say that not being trustworthy will ruin your friendship. Because there's another saying that goes, a friend in need is a friend indeed. So if you cannot trust a friend in your time of need, that friend is not trustworthy. Scripture, not me, myself. Unforgiveness. Proverbs 17 verse 9. I have illustrated the principle of forgiveness. Not having time. Proverbs 27.10. I don't have time now for my friend. Yes, we do get tired. Yes, we have a busy schedule. But if you never make time, you won't have time. If you never make time to build on the friendship and the relationship, you won't be able to be your brother's keeper because it takes time. If you want a friend, make time to be a friend. If you want a friend, make time to be a friend. Now, if things have gone wrong in a friendship, how do you fix it? How do you fix it? Five steps. Talk, confess, commit, pray, and focus on the unity in Christ. If something went wrong, talk about it. Say, my friend, I love you. I treasure my friendship with you. Let's talk about this thing that is bothering me, whether it be my little pickup full of things that bothers me, or whether in your eyes it is a big truckload full of things. But talk about it. Talk about it. Speak the truth in love. Confess. Confess. Say, oh, I'm sorry. This is what I understood, and please forgive me. I sinned I was selfish, or whatever the case might be. Confess, be willing to come out in the open and say, I need forgiveness about this. And I treasure our friendship enough to take the blame for what I've done wrong. Commit. Say, hey, let's go. Let's walk the road. Let's pull it through. This friendship is precious. I want to see you again. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to delete you from Facebook and from my address list. Pray. We teach couples when we do marriage prep with them that the only foundation for a happy marriage is both being Christian, both serving the Lord. If you cannot pray together with your friend, then your friend becomes your mission field. Then you should pray for your friend if you can't pray with him. Then you should pray for him, not if you cannot pray with him. And focus on the unity in Christ. If you have a common purpose, You know, if husband and wife have 
have conflict in their marriage is often caused by him pulling this way and her pulling the other way. And they haven't consolidated and agreed on the common purpose and the direction they should take. The same goes for friendship. You will pull apart if this one wants to do that and that one wants to do that. For example, for example, I have one friend who is a keen hunter. I myself love nature as well, but I hunt with a camera while he hunts with a, with a rifle. And our friendship paled because it became an obsession not only to hunt, but to kill. So we were drifting apart. What we had in common was a love for nature, but we had different goals. I had the intention to get close to the elephant to take a picture. He had the intention just to kill the elephant for the joy of killing. And it wasn't culling to contain the numbers, but let's not go further into that. We had different goals. We had different goals. I want to share with you something more from Scripture about friendship. In Romans 5, verse 6 to 8, we read about a friend who gave his life. There we read, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Very rarely someone will die for a good person. Very rarely he'll die for a friend. But Jesus Christ died for us while we were not even his friends yet. No greater love, no greater love is there than the love of Jesus who died for us. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. And I want to challenge you today. I want to ask you honestly, honestly, can you really say that he who has your back, who is your keeper, is your friend? Have you accepted him as such? Have you? Do you really know him? Does he live in your heart? Do you say, Jesus, okay, just save me from hell. I want to be a Christian, but of course I'm afraid of going to eternal damnation. Or is he your friend? Why do you serve him? Why, why do you serve Jesus? Is it in fear of going to hell, being eternally lost? Or do you really, really have a relationship with him? That you know, not on the 23rd of February 2023 you've got a meeting with him, but that you know, should you die now, 
you'll know you by your name. Do you have that relationship with him? Do you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you if I don't know you as a friend and you're not my best friend yet, that you work in my heart now to invite you to come into my life and become my best friend. Because I, I don't want to serve you because I'm afraid of hell. I want to serve you because of who you are. I want to serve you because of what you've done for me. I want to serve you because I love you. I love you more than a friend. I love you as my Lord and King and my Savior. And if any one of you want to come forward now and we will pray with you, please do so. We will do. We will gladly pray with you. Some of you might say, Christo, you've spoken so much about friendship. But I don't even have a friend other than Jesus. You can also come forward. We will pray for you for that as well. Some of you might say, you're talking about friendship and you use the illustration from your own marriage with your wife. I'm so longing to have that special person in my life. Come forward, we'll pray for you. Please come, please respond. If the Lord is speaking to you, we will pray with you. Because there is a friend who is closer than a brother. A friend was willing to lay down his life while we were still enemies with him. So if you want to be a friend of Jesus, not serving him out of fear, but out of love, I invite you to come forward. We'll pray with you. If you're just in need of a friend, an earthly friend will stick with you. Please come forward. We'll pray with you. And if you're in need of a friend, they have an eventual relationship marriage, something similar, please come forward. We'll pray with you. There might also be some of you who've been hurt by friends, who've been so disappointed. The trust has been broken. You decided despite the invite now, you're not, never, never going to open yourself to friendship again. I ask you to also come forward and we can pray for that. And pray for that as well. If you've been hurt in friendships, if you've been disappointed, if you've been rejected, broken down, please come forward and we'll pray for you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com